Welcome to Charmed Life, a multimedia podcast discussing spirituality, magic, and the unconditional love of the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm your host, Trisha Carr. Welcome to this episode. I'm really excited to bring you another brilliant expert in the topic of keeping your heart wide open. And before I welcome on my guest, I want to remind you that I have my membership platform. You can subscribe to my Mystic Arts Academy. You can attend my twice monthly live teaching channeling sessions and at a very affordable rate. This is sort of my space for like kind of the the, the heart, the nugget. So I, I just I get I get led with these messages and we just channel and we just go for it and there are activations and meditations all kinds of crazy stuff in a good way happens there so check it out in the uh, description however you're listening or watching you can watch it on YouTube you can listen to us on uh, a podcast outlet however you get it we're on all of the different platforms and so I encourage you to you know subscribe like share comment because that helps us to connect our light and to spread the light. And with that, I am excited to welcome onto my program author and love activist Scott Stabile. I just love I that your professional title is love activist. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it too. You know, a friend of mine gave it to me. First of all, it's, it's great to be here. Thank you, Trisha. My pleasure. And um, a friend of mine called me that once and I've really taken ownership of it. Yeah. Because I feel like that's like the core work that I'm I'm seeking to do in this world is just make noise for love. I also like that you have that you are a workshop wizard. <laughs> you just got all the all the good feeling energies. Yeah. <laughs> and cool. it's it's something we do that in those of us who are in I guess profession or just with the dominant life activity and purpose of consciousness seekers, spiritual seekers and teachers and everything and we give ourselves these titles and I imagine from the outside if you're kind of like not in the <laughs> communication of it yet you're like he's calling himself a wizard really and it's like I call myself a prophet for Gaia sometimes and it's like we do that with like humility as well as the it's it's not it's not arrogant at all it's it's a we go into it with humility and with the unity consciousness like yes we give us ourselves that and we say okay I will step up to that and being a love activist it does sound a little bit like maybe you're from the 60s and you're in the revolution of sexuality but that's okay too sometimes we need that sure <laughs> I never thought of that crazily enough but yeah, no I'm I just like I actually a previous episode of the show she was talking about that sexual revolution so that's why it came to mind for me yeah. But love and workshop wizard. I love the two W's. The alliteration. Yes. Alliteration. Yes, alliteration. It, it, that wakes up the subconscious mind, and then we're like, "What's what's this now?" And that's a uh, that's really what we're doing here is is connecting ourselves to the whole mind and the subconscious mind, the part that we are really in want of, and the subconscious mind is a, is that aspect of the heart as well. And so let's get into it. Let's talk about this principle of being able to live with your heart wide open. Ooh, that sounds scary. <laughs> yeah well it's gonna touch it <laughs> I think I think that life is scary no matter how you're living it but for me it's become I was gonna say it's become less scary um I don't know that that's true <laughs> but I'm more comfortable within whatever else is happening when I'm centered in love yes you know that's ultimately how I feel about it it's not um you know I don't I don't look at myself as this selfless Buddha type person at all you know I I believe love not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm. Uh, I, I just think love feels good. Mm. And if love didn't feel so good, I doubt I would be making so much noise for it. Mm. But I believe that people, we all, we all know love. And when I speak about love, I'm just speaking about the energy, the vibration that informs kindness and compassion and forgiveness and all of the things that we know to be the most beautiful, healing, transformative things we can experience in this life. And we all know it to be the thing that feels the best, which is why reflecting on the world we live in, it seems that much more insane to me because we're, we, are, we are all to some degree or almost all of us making justifications to hate and to dehumanize and to condemn when we understand love to be the true healer. Yes. Know? And you know, with uh, social psychologists have done studies that negative reinforcement just doesn't work and so positive reinforcement is essentially a vibration of love so it, it just really is the answer it's the answer to someone 
you know, if we're talking about politics and society, to someone no longer abusing other people, they need to be able to get there by the by way of love. That's the only way yeah. that can be healed. And so, that's the only way I've ever seen it happening. Yes, right. And And I, yeah. I, I remember in the Bible and in, in the Torah, the Old Testament, and during the, I think it was during the plagues, all of the plagues, and the way the text goes is that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then this awful thing happened, you know, and that's, that's very obviously, that sounds a little bit like what God hardens hearts. But if you think about God as the collective and, and responding and reacting to something, so, and then having the hardened heart, then terrible things will happen. That's because of the disconnection yeah. or the um, going deep into the mistruth or the untruth. Yeah, 100%. You know, I've certainly never been successful shaming myself into... right healing and shaming myself into change that actually feels good and right. right you know so i'm i'm practicing in my life just loving myself loving everything about myself even the things about myself that i don't particularly like even the aspects of my ego mind that frustrate me mm. it's even those things you know our envy our jealousy our blame even those aspects of humanity we can love them within us and see what that creates, see what kind of relationship we can come to with ourselves when we commit to, to love, no matter what, you know? Yeah. And when someone, if you give that advice to someone and the pain that they're in, they say, well, it's not possible for me to, let's say, love my abuser or love this aspect of this thing that I did, which I reject myself over and I have so much guilt and um, how, what, when someone comes to you with that kind of pain, imagine this would happen sometimes in your, in your workshops. What sure. is your advice there? How do you, how do you begin with that energy? I begin with empathy, mm. really. I think that for me in my life, empathy has been the, the path to forgiveness. And ultimately, if someone is saying to me that they can't love some part of themselves because of what they've done, what I'm hearing is that they're unable to find forgiveness. Yeah. Of, of whatever it is they, they deem unlovable or unforgivable. And I encourage people to center themselves in empathy, you know, and certainly with others, we're living at, at a time, I mean, it's probably, it's always been like this to some extent, but it seems heightened right now, I think in part because we're through social media, we're made so aware of other people in a different way, but we are seriously lacking in empathy in our country. It's a, uh, a very painful thing to witness and experience. And, and when I speak about empathy, I'm really just talking about our willingness to put ourselves in another person's shoes or to take the time to imagine what another person's experience might be like when they're saying those hateful things or dehumanizing things so that if we choose to show up for a dialogue, we're not dehumanizing in return. We're not, you know what I mean? We're not adding just this vitriolic fire to this out of control fire that's already happening. And I think with people, we know what we've been through. It's like, I can reflect on many moments in my life where I'm like, why did you make that choice? And you <laughs> created so much misery for yourself by doing that. And it, you know what I mean? And it was so unconscious, all of these things. And I can reflect on them solely with regret and blame, or I can reflect on them and look at who I was in that moment and look at all the aspects of my life that were happening in that moment that led that younger version of me to decide to do that thing that created whatever it created. And, and honestly, Tricia, I don't know why we wouldn't bring empathy forth because it serves us. It helps us to feel less hateful, less toxic, less depleted in terms of other people, in terms of like, I have people in my workshops all the time who are, um, who had been victims of abuse, physical abuse, child abuse. Um, we've all, I believe, experienced or most of us have experienced some aspect of trauma. You know, mm -hmm. in my life, my yeah. parents were murdered oh when I was gosh. 14 years old. Oh my goodness, and, I am so sorry. Wow. Yeah, thank you. You know, it was a very heavy thing yeah. to live through. And I, I never considered forgiving the man who killed my parents right. until I was in my early 20s and I was starting to become aware, one, aware of the power of love and two, aware of how I felt when I would think about this man and how much hatred 
would bubble up within me and wanting him dead and thinking mm -hmm. these horrible thoughts. And the more conscious I was becoming, I was like, when I'm lost in these thoughts, I am hurting myself physically and emotionally. Right. I could feel it in my chest, my shoulder. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could feel the physical hurt and the emotional pain that comes with that, that hatred and that vengeful thinking. Mm -hmm. And I understood I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I think I need to forgive this man. I need yeah. to figure out a way to forgive him because I understand that forgiveness is going to be the key to freedom. Yeah. And it was when I started to empathize with him without mm. knowing his full story, but I was able to, I felt like I was able to confidently say, this is a man who feels deeply unseen, angry, confused, unloved, lost, because only someone who felt some version of all those things could kill innocent people, right. you know? And, and I thought, I feel deeply unseen and unloved at times and lost and confused and so angry. And even the violence, which was the one thing I thought, well, I could never relate to that kind of violence. And I'm thinking in my mind, I've been murdering this man for years. Right. I can relate to that violence. I have that violence in me. Mm -hmm not to act on it, hopefully, but like, you know, it's like the things we think we can't relate to, we're all human. Right. We all have it all going on. And once I started to center myself in that empathy and connect to him from that place, I realized this man is no different than me. He made a horrible choice that affected me and, and many people in a very painful way, but he's just another human being. And suddenly he wasn't just a killer right? He's a, he's a human being. And I was connecting to his humanity. Mm. And I realized that when I would think about him through that lens, it was with so much love in my heart and love for the pain that he must have been going through to get him to that point of doing what he did. Mm. And then I realized I have forgiven this man and I, it, it's, I've forgiven him and I'm no longer tethered to him in a way that is blameful and hateful and dark it's like I still feel the pain of my of losing my parents to murder in moments. It's not that that pain suddenly evaporated, but it's the way in which I was connected to this man in the story mm -hmm. that had evaporated. And I'm not bound to any of that. I don't feel the blame of it. I don't feel the hatred. I feel love in my heart and I feel forgiveness. And these are the types of things when people people say to me often, for, I'll tell you, forgiveness has been one of the most, it's one of the most provocative topics I think I speak about because people are deeply committed to not forgiving. Right. And I can understand why mm -hmm. if you've been on the receiving end of horrific abuse or have been a rape victim or so many situations where I understand why people are like, I will never forgive that person. And it's not for me to push people to forgiveness. I simply try to express what what gift forgiveness has given me. And that if you're feeling um, if you're feeling tied to a past story in a way that feels like it's inhibiting the, the best possible expression of your life in the present moment, why wouldn't we consider forgiveness? You know, why not? I, had, I have a story with difficult forgiveness. It's sim similar how I got there. For me, it was about my childhood abuser. I don't like to claim it that way, <laughs> but that's the relationship. And I, I, in the same way, it was almost philosophically, I want to release unforgiveness, which is a kind of weird way to say it, but that was the best way I could get to it. I want to release unforgiveness because I understand the principle that that's keeping me imprisoned, not the other person. It, it doesn't even have on this lower kind of base level any kind of productive you know, it doesn't right. do anything. You're not actually yeah. injuring that person, inhibiting that person. You know what I mean? Like you're not punishing them in any way. You're just punishing yourself. And so for that reason, for that very pure reason, that's what I wanted to do too. And I was actually driving as this, I was probably listening to a podcast and this intention started to show up for me. And I was like, okay, like thinking, okay, I just do it right now. And then, but the pain showed up so resonant as I thought about the events that occurred, you know, and I pulled over the car because I was angry <laughs> and, you know, because I, I didn't want to be committed to that. But I said, this is an impossible, this is an impossible task that I'm giving myself or that I, if I feel like the universe is giving it to me, it's impossible because I can't get a lobotomy. How can I possibly forget what happened? 
And so with that, I think that's where we can kind of get stuck is that, but no, my pain is real and it is real. And so I kind of, I remember banging on the steering wheel with frustration and I said, okay, fine. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to forgive, but I'm just saying I'm willing to, but y'all got to help me. (laughs) I don't know how to do it. You know what I mean? And that alone, I guess that was surrender because then I thought about it sometime later without any other work being done. And then I could think about the events and I didn't have the resonance with it. It was like a movie that I had watched. And so it still happened. It was still a memory. It was still in my timeline, but I didn't feel it the same way. And so I was free of it. It was really wild. And again, I like you said, oh, yeah, ahead. no, that's okay. You you still have pain yeah. over losing your parents. That's still a thing, but you don't have this totally. other thing added to it. Yeah. I think sometimes in the kind of the self-help spirituality world, yeah. there can be a tendency to want to deny the pain of life and the reality and to skip right to the, to I'm forgiving. I'm all, you know what I mean? Everything's fine. Everything's beautiful. Everything's for a reason. And I think we do ourselves a profound disservice by doing that in, in part because it's not really possible to do. You can't just decide. I don't, I don't think most people Mm -hmm. can just decide that they're suddenly going to skip over feeling what it is they're honestly feeling but but what i'm realizing in my life is we're so wildly expansive in who we are as beings that we can hold so many truths at the same time mm. we can feel the pain and also make ourselves available to forgiveness it's and, and what you said that i love so much and i think it's it's the starting point for everything is you said i'm willing mm-hmm. i'm willing to forgive and in my life what i've noticed is it's those things that i dedicate myself to if my commitment is there I will find my way there. Mm. And conversely, if you are committed to being unforgiving, you will never find your way there. Right. You know, but forgiveness for me, it's, it's really, it comes down to this when I think about it is like, if I'm not willing to forgive something, the statement I'm making is that the darkness that lives in that action is greater than the love and light that lives in my heart. Mm. And that doesn't make sense to me. Mm. I just don't buy it. I don't think that there's anything that exists in this world, any darkness that's greater than the capacity we have to love, you know? So I I feel like that's always a greater force, Um, but it's not easy. That's the other thing. Forgiveness is not easy and it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like I want to forgive and then suddenly you know, you became willing to forgive. It didn't mean in that second you were suddenly all forgiving. Well, yeah. And especially if you consider that there had already been 35 years of of being in unforgiveness. So that's a part of the journey as well. Absolutely. It's not not easy. And I think the reason it's not easy is because the truth is it's simple, but the pain is complex. And that's why it's you know what I mean like so we have to allow so deeply for it to be simple like my my story is it's so weird how I didn't and yours is about well just empathizing and that's a simple thing but it's it's oh when we're coming from the other side of that pain it's yeah. it's complex yeah. it's complex it's yeah. work for sure mm-hmm. but it's so worth it and for me anything any choice that is emanating from the energy of love and empathy is certainly one of those things is a choice that will serve to benefit us. There's no other possibility as far as I'm concerned. Love is such a clean, pure, beautiful energy that when we're when we're moving through the world in that energy, we can only serve. It, it's only an energy that is of service, of right. service to healing, of service to connection. Um, so I trust that. You know, I mm-hmm. trust that. Like that's the the question I ask myself more than any other really is what does love invite me to do in this moment? You know, what is Mm. love asking of me in this moment? And sometimes the thing that love invites me to do is to totally disengage because I know that what I have to offer is not good. That is not nice. Like I'm not like, maybe I'm too angry. I'm too volatile. Mm -hmm. Someone said something that really pissed me off and I just want to be like, "Ah," Mm -hmm. you know, and, Mm -hmm. but if I can interject with that question, at the very least, it has a good probability of keeping me from reacting in the moment and to just disengage, just to recognize like where I am right now is not, I don't have to participate in every conversation I'm invited to if what I have to offer is not gonna serve it. And that's okay, that's okay too. And that's okay, Right. absolutely. 
So how do you help people to find forgiveness for themselves? Because sometimes that the closeness that we have with that, it's it can be a little harder to realize that you have that you, you need to forgive yourself or you need to, you know what I mean? Like you need that integration. How do you help people with that? For me, it's the same thing. It's the it's the idea of empathy. Like we we are actually really in touch with our own stories. So we know, I don't have to guess at what I was going through when I was 25 and I decided to do that thing. I can actually reflect on my life through a lens of, of clarity, like, oh, all of this was happening in your life. And it makes sense that if all of that stuff is happening, that someone in your shoes could make that terrible choice or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. I, I do an exercise in one of my workshops where I encourage people to reflect on a moment in their past a, uh, a uh, an age where they did something and it's a hard thing for them to forgive about themselves. And I encourage them to write a letter mm-hmm. to that person. I talk about empathy for a bit in the group uh, and I tell my own stories around empathy and then invite them to really come to a place in this letter that they write to themselves. Don't put pressure on themselves to forgive themselves, but show up in the letter with as much empathy as possible and just see where that leads them. And in my experience of life, empathy, practiced empathy, it always leads to forgiveness Mm. for me. Mm -hmm. Because empathy, anytime we're operating in empathy and compassion, we're we're connecting to our heart space. You know what I mean? We're not we're not in our minds in the same way. We're coming from a deeper place. So empathy is naturally leading from a place of love, leading from a place of the heart, and it's naturally going to carry you to a place of love and a place of heart. And I find that that place ends up being forgiveness. Mm. And maybe it takes ten letters. You know, I don't. Again, I don't think these things happen overnight. But if you're committed to forgiving yourself, and if you're committed to the practice of empathy. I believe in my heart, you're going to find your way there. Mm, That's beautiful. And with your workshops, so how often do you do your workshops and, and what, what do they look like? They they (laughs) look like I do them. I mean, I've been doing them fairly often lately, Mm -hmm. like a couple a month. Oh, great. You know, and they kind of look like group therapy. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've never been in group therapy, but I, they, they look like, you know, on average, 20 to 30 people sitting in a circle. I like to have my workshops in a circle. So we're all looking at yeah. each other. Yeah. And there's always writing exercises. I think, um, I believe writing is an incredibly powerful tool for healing mm-hmm. and self-reflection. So I always utilize writing in my workshops. And the one I'm giving the most right now is called Love Yourself Madly. And it's a workshop mm. all about self-love. Beautiful. So the, pro- the, the writing exercises are, well, this is the truth in all of my workshops. The the prompts I give are all always about reflecting on the walls that we've created or the resistance that we've created that that creates blocks mm-hmm. to self love, mm-hmm. and um, reflecting on them as much as possible in an observational way, without attaching judgment to any of it, but actually just approaching it observationally and really honestly mm-hmm. looking at the barriers we create and then getting into how can we, what are some tools that we can use um, that allow us to reflect on ourselves with more love, with more openness, with more kindness, with more compassion. And then people share because they're intimate. There's yeah. there's always opportunity for sharing and asking questions. And I talk a lot in them, as you can probably gauge. Um, and it's just beautiful. They're like one of my very favorite things in the world to do because everyone who shows up they're showing up for their healing. Mm. They're, they're, if for them to show up, spend the money, take the time out, they're automatically making a choice that reflects self-love. Yeah, and, and that's they're powerful. stepping into their healing. And it's it's beautiful. It's really lovely. Right. Even just having that activated intention of it <clears throat> is powerful to be able to give yourself 100%. that. That's really amazing. And then with it being in the group setting, everybody there is doing that. And so the energy just magnifies and magnifies and magnifies because everybody's holding space for one another. Oh, uh, wow. I can imagine these are incredibly transformative. How did you be? I'm always so high. (laughs) I'm like flying high after them. And then, and then I crash. It's so much, (laughs) it's so much energy absorption and output, but in the most beautiful way. Yeah. Um, 
you were going to ask me, how did I get started? Yes. How did you get into this work? Oh, yeah, definitely. Your journey that led up to doing this kind of work, uh, you know, is really fascinating. Well, you know, it, I started my Facebook page in 2012. And I started my Facebook page because I had written a children's uh, screen, a screenplay of a children's film. Mm. And the film actually got produced and it got, it was released in theaters in over 2000 theaters in the US, which is a very large release. And it went on to become and still holds the title for the biggest bomb of all time. It's the lowest, <laughs> literally the lowest grossing wide release movie in history. So I am the, I'm the acclaimed writer of the biggest bomb of all time. Um, there's, That's funny. <laughs> and there's a, which was not funny. I can laugh about it now. In the moment, it was definitely not you forgive, funny. You've forgiven all the audience that didn't show up. You've forgiven them. <laughs> exactly. It's a, there's a chapter in Big Love called Flop, and it, it talks about this experience and it talks about it, reflecting on it through the framework of how we define success and how we define failure. Mm. But at the time of um, the movie, the, one of the PR guys said, listen, you should start a Facebook page and you can use that page to promote the film and to engage with fans. So I launched this Facebook page and, and at the time, not everybody had Facebook pages, even though it was free and every, anyone could do it. It wasn't mm -hmm. what it is today where everyone has Facebook pages, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I started this page and the movie bombed. So there weren't any fans and there was no one to engage with on it. But suddenly I had this page and I'm like, well, what do you want to write about? You know, what do you want to do with this page? So I'm like, well, I'll write about the things that matter the most to me. And I started posting memes about love and, you know, compassion and facing our fears. And that page started to grow and, and take off. And there was more of a community arriving. And then I started sharing heavier stuff you know this one woman posted a comment under one of my posts i don't remember the post but the comment was essentially not all of us are as happy as you are scott some of us are really suffering out here mm. and it was this wake-up call to me because i realized like all i had been sharing on this page it was all really pollyanna mm. and i'm naturally a, a fairly positive person and and my the things that i share now have a lot of optimism and hope and love but that's all I was sharing at the time. And her comment inspired me to tell a little bit more of my story, you know, mm. share the experience of losing my parents and losing a brother to a heroin overdose mm. and, and my pain and my trauma and my fears and my insecurities and, and all of it, everything that we all have that makes us human. Mm -hmm. And once I started doing that, the energy around the page shifted again in a really beautiful way because then people were beginning to share more of themselves as well. And it led me probably like four or five years ago to put out a book I call, that I called Just Love, which I published through a Kickstarter campaign nice. and launched it on Kickstarter and it got funded. And it's this really beautiful coffee table book with um, these gorgeous photographs from photographers all over the world paired with my writings, you know? So it's like, it's just a really pretty book. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I was um, thinking, you know, I wanna take some of these, these posts that I've written on Facebook where it's maybe two or three paragraphs um, that got a lot of engagement and people really talking about them. I thought I'd like to go deeper with these, mm -hmm. you know? And that's what led me to write Big Love. Several of the chapters in Big Love started from Facebook posts cool. that I just really like dove into more deeply. But the work, I mean, really this work started because I, my children's film bombed <laughs> and I had this page and I, I tell that story because you never, I, I, I may have started a Facebook page eventually anyway, but I started it because of that movie that was one of my creative low points. And yet we never know what seeds we're planting, right? All we can ultimately do is continue to show up for our lives in a way that feels true or exciting and authentic and keep planting our seeds. And, and now it's like, I've have a couple books. I'm doing workshops that I love. I'm mm -hmm. talking about love. I'm talking about love all the time. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's become a, a really, it's become really a beautiful way to spend my time. Wow. That's beautiful. And yeah, 2012, I remember, yeah, I don't, Facebook was not, we weren't doing that stuff as much. That's really, you're a pioneer no. in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, you work with Lee Harris, right? Do you do workshops with Lee Harris too? 
we're going to do our first workshop in February. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah Lee, Lee was on the program a few weeks ago. Do you know Lee? He was on the show uh, a couple, yeah, a few episodes ago, several episodes ago, probably at this time. But yeah, yeah, that's great. So I'm sorry, what is the name of the workshop that's coming up? I interrupted. It's, oh, no, no, it's, it's <laughs> called Creative Empowerment. And mm -hmm. it's in, it's at Asilomar. It's going to be a weekend retreat at Asilomar in the Mon Monterey County in California. Oh, great. And I'm so excited in part because it's all about creativity uh -huh. and Pete, whether you are not creative and wanting to generate more creativity, or if you're a creative person, like a lot of people out there who don't, who feel insecure about sharing it, mm -hmm. or maybe don't know the next steps and how they want to share it with the world. So, but the thing I'm most excited about is just to spend a weekend teaching with Lee because we've become really good friends and I love, I love him and I love our connection. Oh, that's so great. Wow. That's uh, not well, it's it's not that close, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to get up there. When when is it? When oh, please! Workshop? It's February twentieth to the twenty third. Okay, great, great. It's going to be wonderful. The place I've never been, but I've heard about it for years. Mm. It's on the beach, and it's supposed to be gorgeous, like just a really naturally gorgeous. And then we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be great. Well, another thing that's the reason I'm drawn to it too is because I'm a hypnotherapist, and in addition to you know the other stuff that I do you know, and uh, my I have is I have an int I have uh, just started to elect <laughs> an intention or a specialty in, in hypnotherapy, particularly for creatives, people to be you know for creative artists to be more creative, but also to be more professional at the same time because I am a creative myself and I. Um, constantly around creatives and it's just sort of that idea of selling out or having to do things that in order to be able to be successful you have to not use your creativity as much or you know what I mean and you I yeah. guess you would understand that of being a filmmaker yourself I'm, I'm calling you a filmmaker even though you say it was a flop. Oh, thank you <laughs> A and screenwriter, <laughs> maybe, yeah, more than filmmaker. Okay, yeah. <laughs> all right then. <laughs> I'll take it. But that's really cool. So that's really in alignment. It's interesting. That's a synchronicity for me. So um, how wonderful. Oh, cool. <laughs> It'll be so much fun to be there with you. Yeah, so you guys, whenever you're listening to this, he's talking about uh, February 20th through 23rd of 2020. And so we'll pop a link in the description. So we'll remember to do that so that you can check out. And if you didn't see the episode of Charmed Life with Lee Harris, go check it. it was a uh, probably about five episodes ago or something like that so go check it out that's so you guys uh you how long have you and lee uh, this is the first time you're teaching together how long have you known one another since you started to form this plan to work together well that's like how you were saying earlier so many of the people we know today you don't necessarily know them in real life yeah <laughs> lee and i have taken it beyond because he reached he reached out to me probably a year and a half ago through facebook and just said I love the work you're doing and just mm. wanted to say hello and tell you I really love the work you're doing and I had I wasn't familiar with Lee and so I looked him up on Facebook and then you know responded back and we we got on a Skype call however many weeks later and had just a really lovely conversation I get I mean I love anybody who's doing work in the world of healing yeah. And I, I do get excited when I find other gay men mm. who are out there doing this work because I haven't found that many. Mm. I'm sure they're out there and I'm just not finding them. But so to connect with Lee through that lens as well was really cool. And then he's just he's just great. Even I, just I love him. even just men. I mean, there's there are fewer people, even just who, men. fewer yeah, men who, yeah, yeah, who are doing. So we, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know if that is I mean, I think. Part of it we could definitely say is because culturally um, there's the pressure for the for men to do other things that may not be in, you know, it's, maybe it's not as conducive, generally speaking. So, um, yeah, it's that's really great. And I love the yeah, that's a really powerful workshop for to have two men and two gay men together to be able to hold that space. It's really uh, going to be really transformative. I just know it. I, oh, I got to get there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And we've hung out a couple times in LA yeah. together. I've hung out with Lee and yeah, we're excited about it. Wonderful. So, and yeah. so with, so with your journey, so you were, you did the, the screenwriting and are you still writing, uh, films? No, not really. <laughs> like the flop. I mean, I've written, <laughs> what's that? The flop spoiled you on it. <laughs> It, you know, I've, I wrote a film with a friend mm -hmm. after that. We wrote a screenplay, but it never went anywhere. And I haven't been, I haven't been screenplay writing. I'm working on a new memoir. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, 
I like the process with Big Love, and that's a memoir. Um, well, it's personal essays, but they're all it, it's memoir style, but also self help style. Mm -hmm. And the one I'm writing now is um, more just straight story memoir. So I'm kind of into that writing mm -hmm. right now. That's great. You know? I'll, I could I feel like I'll I'll take a stab at screenplays again, though, for sure. Oh, that would be amazing. And uh, and so right now you are so with Big Love, this has very much the self help component to it and so people really can move into that space of living with their heart wide open let's talk a little bit about what that is like and what are the <laughs> what are the benefits and what are some of the challenges of living with your heart wide open what do, what do you see in the people who come to your workshops and and in your own story I guess yeah you know I think that there's I think there's a mis uh, a misnomer out there the idea that you can love too much and that mm. you can get exhausted by loving too much and in my experience that's absolutely not the case that love is not what exhausts us what exhausts and depletes us are all the conditions we place on our love all the expectations we attach to love and the moment we've done that it's no longer love anyway it's something that becomes a part of our minds, a part of our egos. You know, if I'm if I'm centered in love and moving through the world from that place, I am naturally energizing myself because mm -hmm. love is ever abundant. Yes. You know, so really in the work that I'm doing, it's it's like let's look at the ways we're not showing up with love and let's consider how it is we can be. So if as an example with self-love, the thing I encourage people to do is to to start really with intention. Mm -hmm. monitoring their thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have control over all of our thoughts. We are thinking so many thoughts without even knowing what we're thinking about. But the moment we have awareness of our thoughts and the moment we have awareness that our thoughts were locked into some self-abusive cycle, you know, we're once again, we're calling ourselves ugly or stupid or lazy or worthless or or whatever we all do because we all do it. The moment we have awareness that we're doing it, we have the opportunity to offer ourselves something different. That's where our power lives in that moment of awareness. And what I encourage people to do is to recognize that. The moment you have that awareness, offer yourself something that reflects love and affirmation and kindness and compassion, because that matters, it's all energy. Mm. You know this, we know like everything is energy. Our thoughts are energy, our words are energy, our actions are energy. So it makes intuitive sense that when our energy is more aligned with thoughts that reflect love, we're going to be operating in that energetic space more often and we're going to naturally magnetize things into our life that reflect that energetic space. Yes. And conversely, when our thoughts are mired in self-hatred and self-abuse and energetically we're moving through the world like this, what we're going to be inviting into our lives are relationships and experiences that reflect that energy. This is the essence of the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, I think that it's, that that's been butchered in a myriad ways mm -hmm. but the essence is energy attracts like energy yes and in my experience that's absolutely the case and it doesn't mean that if i move through the world really open and expansive and loving that everyone i pass on the street's going to want to give me a hug but it does mean generally speaking and i pay attention to this stuff i notice it that when I'm moving through the world like this, I'm inviting naturally more experiences and connections that reflect that energy. And it's life-changing. Mm -hmm. And this is, you said earlier, I feel like this is exactly the case of something that is simple, but not easy. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's very simple to understand the more I'm in thoughts that reflect self-love, the more I'm serving myself, but getting yourself to that place isn't always easy because our minds, they go to the negative so naturally. You know, that's yes. why it's healing is work. Growth is work. You know, what you're doing with your podcast, you're not, it's not suggesting to everybody that they can snap their fingers overnight, make a decision and their whole life changes. That's not how this happens. Mm -hmm. It's work. It's intentional work. But the alternative for me has been misery. And that take, that's exhausting. Yeah. It's a lot of work to be miserable. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. So for me, for me, if, if, because when we start paying attention to our mind and our thoughts and the way we're treating ourselves, for a lot of us, it can be very overwhelming because we then are aware of how abusive we are. Yeah. And it's like, my God, I am awful to myself. I am hateful, it, you know, and, and it can feel exhausting every time we're aware of that 
to shift to something positive because that's happening all the time. But the alternative again is not shifting and just keeping the cycle of self-abuse going. Mm. You know, so for me, any second that we are offering ourselves love and affirmation, it's money in the bank. Mm. It is serving us. It's contributing to our healing. I really believe that. Oh wow. Yes, I completely agree. That's the thing that I like you say the the um thoughts the the kind of uh, maybe make more commercialized impression people have of law of attraction is confusing and you know like it's some kind of magic spell sometimes honestly sometimes people some vision boards work for some people and for some people it doesn't because when they look at it they recognize they don't have it and so they're activating the energy of not having it and that's not how it works the the way we're conditioned and is that we browbeat ourselves into activity and it's just not true we we have to think of the bad thing in order to avoid it and again that's not how it works. Energy is so literal. It's completely literal. So in order to to be able to attract love to your life, you have to be love. In order to tra- attract money or abundance of any kind, you have to be the energy of abundance. And that's yeah, the thing that's confusing because we're forced to go to school for, you know, maybe 12 or more years and be in a classroom and say, good girls and boys do this and they, whether they like it or not. And so it takes a while to unpack that. That's the work. That's the thing is to undo that energy and do those beliefs and, and habits, thinking and feeling and doing habits. Absolutely. And I love, I love that. And I love what you were saying about how it works for some people, but not for others, because that's for me. The thing I repeat all the time in my workshops, it's understanding that that it's about when you start paying attention, you can start figuring out what works for you yeah. and giving more energy to the things that work for you. And it doesn't have to be what you read in a book. If that doesn't work for you, great. You know that you could discard it. But I believe that we intuitively know what we need to be doing to take care of ourselves. We're just so often not asking the right questions mm-hmm. or we're not making ourselves available to honest answers, you know? But I, when I start paying attention and, and not just to my thoughts, certainly, but we don't listen to our bodies. Our bodies are giving us so much information. If yeah. I'm considering a choice and my body does this, it's telling me no, right. like clearly. And that is coming from your deep wisdom, your deep mm. intuition. And when we start paying more attention to to these responses that come from that deeper place, we start to figure out like, every time I do this, I feel uplifted. Okay, good. I'm going to do more of that. Right. And, I, and I, I say often, it's like if you did nothing else in your life, but pay attention to the choices that uplift you, add more meaning, peace, and do more of those, and the choices that deplete you and do fewer of those, you would change your life overnight, literally. Right. You know? It's so true. And the body is is really interpreting the subconscious mind for you. It, it's just showing you what, what it is that you are thinking and the, the frequencies that you are running. And so I, that, I, that's something that I recently was talking about as it concerns being in 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 like the cyclical phase of the lunar cycles that came up was actually looking at communicating with your body because that is a part of your mind and how you how you are expressing yourself and it's again so literal if i have a sore big toe on my left foot and i'm like well that's true if i look at the energy beneath that i'm having like the way that i'm walking on my path and receiving things <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. it's a little bit crinkly that energy is and so i need and to find the self-love so, oh, yeah sorry please sorry, yo sorry. no your bodies are so go ahead <laughs> no i was just gonna say our bodies are so much more sensitive than our minds there's so many more neurotransmitters on our body than in our brain the brain like, right mm-hmm. we don't trust it we unless we're like really really sick and feel like we have to take care of it then but it's giving us messages and clues all the time and and i'm not a master of paying attention to my body but i'm getting better at it because i'm i'm paying attention to the moment it's that it's telling me something and trying to listen for the deeper wisdom there it's no. but again because of because we were because you know in order for we're conditioned and there's there's a goodness to it our parents had to condition us to put our shoes on because you can't walk on the streets without shoes on <laughs> so do, there's like there's a good intention there but then you know we we get so sort of trained to not listen to our body and our own impulses and our own interests and our imagination and all of that stuff is 
the mastery, really, to be able to be in that space. And then, of course, this all comes to the heart, as you say, live with that heart wide open. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, I suspect that the people listening to your show tend to be highly sensitive people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as you are, as I am. And the people who are doing this kind of healing work in the world are tend to be highly sensitive people. And this, mm -hmm. this planet, this experience on this planet, it's not easy for anyone, but I think it, it can be particularly difficult for those of us who are highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much information. There's such an assault yeah. of information and vibration and energy and violence and conflict happening all the time that, that what I've discovered is that the more open I become, you, it doesn't, it, it makes me more sensitive. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I believed at some point in my life that I could live behind my walls and I could just put a wall up to what I saw as the dark, painful stuff, mm -hmm. but not a wall up to everything else. But in my experience, when you're putting up a wall, you're putting up a wall. Yeah, exactly. You're blocking out the darkness, you're blocking out the light. Yeah. And when you break down those walls, you make yourself available to the pain in a different way, but you also make yourself so much more available to all the light and the love that exists in this world. And I feel like that availability is what sustains us, what helps us mm -hmm. be able to move through life, feeling all of the heavier stuff. Um, and then also tuning into ourselves when we need to take a break, you know, when we need to really be gentle with ourselves, mm -hmm. when we, we need to check out and unplug and turn off the computer and turn off the phone and certainly turn off the news and, mm -hmm. you know, get yourself into nature, get mm -hmm. yourself into a space that helps to ground. I mean, that's part of, that's like self-love 101, really checking in with how am I feeling? I'm feeling like crap. Okay, what choices am I making in my life that might be contributing to this feeling? And how can I step outside of those for a while to give myself the space of nature and quiet and stillness, if that works for you, you know? Yes. Wow, this has been just amazing. And so I want to encourage everyone to check out the workshop with Scott and Lee coming up in February and all of Scott's workshops. Make a trip. Make a trip out. You're doing these in person. Do you do some online stuff as well? At this time, Does I just started. You, your... you know, I'm, oh, I'm happy you asked that. Good. I just started. I had my first um, last month, my first virtual gathering. It was mm -hmm. like an hour and a half class through mm -hmm. Zoom, which is what we're on. Yep. And so people could come in from all over the world. They could register for it. And I'm giving my next one on the 13th of November. So Good. I'm so glad. Week. I love meeting in person. I do. I do workshops in person. I have, but but you know, being available online. I mean, that's how we. That's how we know each other now. We know each other remotely, and we're just reminding ourselves totally. that we're not local yeah. beings anyway. <laughs> we're non-local. It is beautiful. It is through Zoom. You see all these squares of all these people, <laughs> yeah. and it's you do feel connected. Like in totally. lots of live videos in general, and I, I love that you're you're getting the energy in real time. That's what, so what I do in this studio here that you can see, I have some people here, I, you know, it's limited, so there'll be limited seating, but we also have people come in on Zoom and my students on either, you know, the online or the ones in person always say, it's amazing. You just completely forget that you're not in the same room, like literally, yeah, you know, yeah. physically. So it, it really does. It's all about the, the consciousness. And I do, well, I do most, a lot of my one-on-one -on -one sessions. I'm an um, intuitive um, medium and uh, an animal communicator. Most of the things I do are on Zoom or sometimes just on the phone, which I actually like to have the video component as well. But when it's not there, it works just as well. <laughs> like you're just yeah. as connected. It's that heart energy and it, it doesn't totally. know any walls. It doesn't know no. it doesn't know the different states or whatever. So good. I'm so glad that you are. That's wonderful. Cause then that way are, are you maybe you and Lee can consider having some kind of live stream thing go on with the February twentieth. We've done a couple live we've done a couple live uh like Facebook or oh, Instagram good. videos together. Cool. And they're great. And we take questions and we chat about whatever we're chatting about. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure we'll do more of those too. Well, again, this has been just so wonderful. Any any last thing you would like to share before we uh, before we say goodbye for today? You know, I think the the last thing I'll say to to everyone listening is just to know without a shadow of a doubt that you are worthy as you are, and that your worth is inherent. It's not predicated on 
anything you've done, on any successes, how much money you have. It's not predicated on anything. It's inherent within you. We are born worthy and we die just as worthy. And when we start to really embrace that truth and move through the world in alignment with your worth, your whole life begins to change. So I'll leave you with that. Thank you. I received that. I I just had to soak that in too. Beautiful. Well, Scott Stabile, this has been an amazing episode, and I am so grateful to you and the work that you're doing, and I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the show, and maybe you can come back another time. I would love to have you. I would love that, and and Trisha, I appreciate you and the work you're doing too, and, and I'm so grateful that you had me on. Thank you. And everyone listening, watching, thank you so much for watching these shows, these episodes. I would encourage you to please like, subscribe, comment, and share, and ask questions, anything that you would like to uh, know, uh, anything you, you want to talk about. We'll bring it onto the show sometime. So thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. everyone it's Trisha Carr I'm really excited because it is the time of the year for me to offer my animal communication comprehensive program live online whether you are interested in the profession or if you would like to connect more deeply with your own animal family members having an understanding of this form of telepathy will enhance your life and all of your other intuitive gifts about once per year I offer this program live and that time is now it is starting in December of 2019 and this particular live program has some bonus time added in. So the way this program works is it is delivered live online and we also have a private study group of a beautiful community of like-hearted animal and nature lovers. Go ahead and check it out. The link is in the description and I hope to see you there. Thank you so much for your love of animals, for your love of our planet, and for shining your light on our beautiful world.